Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Wrestling Unlimited as it's Wednesday and that means tonight was AEW Dynamite. Of course, tonight's Dynamite does go. I thought it was a pretty good show. I will say that. Some interesting things on the show. Very weird and odd ending to the show. I will say that for sure. Like, just the way the show ended with Danielson laying there holding his head and then Okada like taunting Danielson maybe and then, like, hooks out there for some reason. I get why Rocky and best friends come down and stuff. But it's like, why is Hook out there? And then they're checking on Danielson and Claudio's asking for water. And I don't know. I guess they want us to know. I guess they want us to believe that every time Danielson now fights and wrestles and has a match against Okada, he's going to get hurt. I think that is what they want us to believe, maybe. I don't really know what this was. And where this is leading to, but yeah. Very interesting end to the show. Very interesting open to the show as well as far as the Dynamite Diamond Ring match. And then the promo and everything that ensued after that. So a lot of things to talk about. Ric Flair showed up in AEW for the first time as well. And it sounds like he may be sticking around. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. And my chair got stuck on something. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling, excuse me, Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you're watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription. Or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games. And you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I greatly appreciate it if you did right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, head over to YouTube, hit that join button, and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store. And buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, and you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use this code right here, PWUnlimited at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Remember, the free games right now are Eternal Threads and The Evil Within. If you haven't played Evil Within, you'll get it. It's free. Because then next week, Evil Within 2 is going to be free as well. Actually, in like three days. Two days. No. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Today's the last day to get Evil Within 1. Tomorrow, you get Evil Within 2. Also, Fortnite, Rocket League, and Fall Guys all have Halloween items you can purchase right now. Jack Skellington and Nightmare Before Christmas stuff is in both Fortnite and Rocket League at this moment. Plus, you can get a lot of cool games as well, like The Last of Us Part 1 and Spider-Man Remastered. But with that, we've got AEW Dynamite to talk about. The show opens up with the Dynamite Diamond Ring on the line. Actually, it opened up differently than we normally get. So we didn't even see at first, I don't even think we saw it all, the opening video. I didn't notice it at all. The show just uh, comes on and Renee is there and she's backstage with MJF who's calling Adam Cole. MJF got about two words into Adam and we hear, Adam! Adam! And it's Roderick Strong who's being wheeled in by Mike Bennett and Matt Taven. I think this is one of 
two or three of the dumbest things AEW is doing right now. AEW is doing some dumb shit right now. Story wise, the line why storyline wise that doesn't work for me, and I'm saying it doesn't work for me. It may work for somebody else, but I think this is one of the, one of the dumber storylines they've ever done. Roderick Strong in a neck brace, but he's wrestled with the neck brace off, and it, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Anyways, MGF hangs up the phone. Strong said that despite knowing MJF is behind the devil mask, he wants to help him and is during his eight-man tag with the Bullet Club. MGF shoves Strong in the wheelchair out of the shot and said, Tonight, after everything Juice put him through and said about him and all that's been done, he's got the bullet, and the bullet is going to take out Juice tonight in Philly. And he said, I'm not going to miss. We then see the camera cut to the devil on the screen, which is very interesting, who stares at the screen before shoving the camera away. So that was another very interesting tease. Who's the devil? Is it Max? Is it not? What is it? Who is it? Excalibur then welcomes us to the show alongside Tony Schiavone and Taz, and we go to our opening match. And the match itself, opening match, very good. MGF was able to be the scumbag. Robinson was out there to just be the, the crazy juice we know and love. Some Jeff got a quick double leg and unloaded offense in the corner with the Philly crowd going nuts. They go to the floor, and MJF repeatedly launched Robinson into the barricade and over the timekeeper's table. After spitting water in Robinson's face, he set him up on a chair, broke the count in the ring, and flipped the ref off, and then hit a charging boot, sending Robinson into the front row. A slingshot into the post, busted Juice open, and MJF was about to stomp Robinson's face first onto the steps, but the guns distracted him long enough for Robinson to pull MJF into the steps instead and then hit a DDT on the apron. With Robinson in firm control, Switchblade then came out on the stage and ended up joining commentary and worked uh, as we worked over to a commercial break. After the break, Robinson was being choked by MJF with a scarf. Ref didn't see it. I don't know what the, the ref was, I guess, yelling at the guns at ringside or whatever. MGF then turned the tables only to be caught by the referee. MGF started firing up corner punches and biting the noggin of Robinson before signaling for a kangaroo kick and connecting. MGF's mouth is covered in blood at this point, which is pretty gross. And the guns tried to trip up MJF, allowing Robinson to hit an axe kick for a two. Both men then took turns eye-poking each other until Robinson spat in MJF's face, hit a right hand, and a powerbomb for a two. There's a double stomp to the left arm connecting for uh, to MJF, or for MJF. But Robinson escaped and hit the Heat Seeker, allowing MJF to hit a dive to take out the guns. Crowd popped big, and then Robinson got a low blow, and, juice, and the juices loose DDT for an earfall. Excuse me. The guns then repeatedly tried to get in the ring, distracting referee Bryce Remsburg. As both MJF and Robinson put their rings on, MJF connected with his. MJF then decked both guns before dropping Robinson with a heat seeker for the victory and winning the match. And they go, and you're a winner, winning the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Maxwell, Chekhov, Freeman, and I'm like, winning the ring. Technically, he retained the ring. And like, he's a five-time Dynamite Diamond Ring winner. I'm like, no, he's not. He's a one-time and just defended it at four. The ring is dumb as shit anyways. The ring is stupid. You know what else is stupid? This whole Max Caster, Max Friedman stuff. 
So, after the match, Bullet Club Goal are beaten down on MJF. And all of a sudden, the Kingdom come out pushing Roderick Strong. They jump in the ring and they were easily dispatched. White then joined the beatdown. And Robinson was about to hit the home run shot when the acclaimed and daddy ass would run down and make the save. On top of the white, on top of the ramp, White said, despite everything that just happened, he'll pummel his face to the ground and MGF will bleed, breathe with switchblade. Fulton Gunn then issued a challenge for the ROH tag titles, the full gear. MJF said, shut up, ass boys, and accepted the challenge for it to be a handicap match. And I go, well, anybody can just get a shot whenever they want. They don't have to earn it. At least technically Claudio earned his international championship shot. At least on Rampage, we're doing a four-way to earn a shot at the woman's title, which that we'll talk about in a little bit doesn't make sense. But it's like anyone can just ask for a title shot in AEW. You don't have to earn it. No, I get it. WWE does the same thing. Drew McIntyre technically didn't earn his title shot. He's getting against uh, Seth Rollins coming up a crown jewel. I like the match itself. Like, I like Juice. Or not Juice. I like Jay and Max. But it's like, who earned that? Not not Jay White. Same with WWE. I like the fact that we're getting Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. But Drew didn't earn that. Yeah, Drew won a couple big matches and then made the challenge. But it's not like... You want to know more contenders match or anything? I miss the days back in the day when you would do a pay-per-view and coming out of the pay-per-view, you would know who the champion is and you would know who the number one contender is because you had a number one contenders match on the same show. So going into the next Raw or going into the next SmackDown, you already knew what the program was for the next pay-per-view and you were already hyped up for it. Possibly. I miss those days when you did number one contender matches for the world title and you did them on the pay-per-view. So coming out of the pay-per-view, not only did you know who the champion was leaving the show, but you knew who the champion most likely was defending the title against on the next pay-per-view the next month. I miss those days. Anyways, stuff just started getting even stupider from here. So Max says MJF, oh, I'll defend against both of you for the Ring of Honor tag title. Basically, he's working twice again. He's going to work two matches at full gear. Um, MJF then said he doesn't want to wait till full gear to get his hands on Jay White. He said next week he'll face them in an eight-man tag with three partners of his choosing, and when he does, he wants his triple B back. And I'm like, why is it so hard for this guy to get his belt back? Like, can't Tony Khan, the boss, just go, hey, Jay White, you haven't earned that. I'm taking it from you or give it back. Like, there's no authority. There's no person in charge, even though they say it's Tony Khan, to tell these people what to do. It's WCW and the, the inmates are running the asylum. I'm just going to say that. Because I, I hate the story of, he's like, I stole your belt, works for about a week or so. Then after that, it just gets old and dumb. And I'm kind of tired. And I'm really excited to see MJF and Jay White fight for the belt at full gear. But it's getting a little old. I've stole your belt and I still have it. Ha ha ha. It's getting a little old. So that then leads to Roderick Strong saying, Max! Max! And MJF's like, dude, 
Why are you yelling? I'm right here. And he's like, we'll be your partners. And he's like, no, you're not. And then Max Caster goes, does that mean we're going to be your partners? And he says, even if I was on fire and the only way to put the fire out on my body was to tag with you, I wouldn't tag with you. Again, this shit is stupid as F. Why are they doing this? Max Caster has a crush maybe on him. I don't know. I don't know. And it's not amusing to me at all. It's not amusing to me at all. Caster then said, well, if you won't team with me, at least before we leave Philly, you would, you know. And Max just leaves. He wouldn't do it. Again, I guess they've known each other for a long time. They both trained basically together and whatnot. But what is the story here? What is the end game? What is the goal? What is the ultimate payoff? They're eventually going to team together. He's eventually going to acknowledge him as a friend. I don't know. Again, it's stupid. Uh, Hassan Terrell says, wow, you fixed it. Fixed what? You mean my internet issues? Because I was having internet issues. My computer kept telling me I had no internet, but the internet was, was on. I can connect on other devices, so I don't know what was going on. But eventually, my computer was like, you're good to go now. Anyways, yeah. I don't like the Roderick Strong stuff because I think that's stupid. And I don't like the Max Caster MJF stuff because I think that's stupid. Again, it could be for other people not stupid. Others may go, oh, no, I love it. I think it's funny. I think it's entertaining. I think it's interesting. Not for everybody, and it's not for me. Not everything is going to work for everyone. Hudson Saturday says, A plus here, A plus. Here's my thing. Why is he defended the title this Saturday against Kenny Omega if he doesn't have the belt? So we'll get to that here in just a second because I'm indifferent on this both ways. I like it and don't like it in the same, in the same vein. Max is leaving, and out comes Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega has the microphone and says, Hey, you're about to beat me and become the longest reigning AEW world champion. I think I should be able to defend my streak and try to win the title back from you. I have no problem with that. I'm usually the guy that says you didn't earn it, but this is different. It's just like when the New Day got a shot at the Usos because the Usos were about to beat their record of longest-running tag team champions. You want to defend your record. But getting that opportunity to defend your record, go for it. All for it. That's cool. But to say I want to challenge you for the belt when the motherfucker don't even have the belt, that's where I have the problem. This is dumb. The match itself happening isn't. But the match under these circumstances is because it basically tells us Kenny is not winning and MJF will break that record on Sunday because if he doesn't lose on, if he wins on Saturday, he breaks the record on Sunday. So it's, it's good and bad all at the same goddamn time. I'll just say that it's good because it plays into everything history wise. Right now, Kenny Omega is the longest reigning AEW world champion. If he doesn't beat Max by Saturday for the belt, Max beats the record. Cool. All for it. But how can you challenge a guy for the belt that doesn't even have his freaking belt? How does that make sense? It doesn't. Again, Tony Khan, be a boss, be a man, be an authority figure, whatever you want, and tell Jay White, you didn't earn it. You're going to possibly earn it at the pay-per-view if you beat Max. But I'm taking that title and giving it back to the rightful champion. 
Like, no. I, I hate the whole, I stole your title and I've got it for more than a week. Like, if, if you steal the title and you hold it for a week, and that's fine. Champ can get it back on the next show. But now it's been like almost a month. And didn't he take the, no, he took the belt after he was attacked, right? Correct me there. Did he take the belt before the devil and his people attacked him or after the devil and his people attacked him? Jay White, that is. I can't remember that one. Anyways, I like some of this. I don't like some of this. Some of this makes a lot of sense, but then some of this doesn't make any sense. Avinia that played for Wardlow, he said that he's been in a dark place. He was home for four months, told not to come to TV. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't out for any specific reason. He was just told you're not being used for four months. Well, he sat home and watched MJF get praised. Main event, the biggest show in pro wrestling history. And I'm like, oh, the Wardlow's the sad, I wish it was me emo kid. Because he's like, hey, he's getting praised. And I had to go through all of this. And blah, 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 blah. Now I basically said I want to take on Max for the world title. Then we had Hook and Rob Van Dam against John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Not a bad match. It was okay. But it was just there at the same time. Reynolds tried to trash talk Hook, and Hook started to immediately go after him as a result. RVD made the tag along with Silvers, and RVD hit a monkey flip and a double clothesline, sending Reynolds and Silver to the outside into a commercial break. Hook was briefly isolated during the break, but hit an exploder on Silver before RVD made the hot tag. RVD dished out a series of kicks and a rolling thunder, but Reynolds saved his partner, and referee Aubrey Edwards just let Reynolds and Silver double-team RVD and didn't even do anything about it, and I said, this is why AEW referees suck. Come on, Aubrey. She's literally watching it happen. Not even doing like a one, two, like a five count to get him out or a ten count, whatever they're doing. No, she's just in there. Watching and watching. You dumb son of the gun. Already eventually did fight them off and allowed Hook to hit crossface shots. The match then broke down as Evil Uno jumped in with a chair. But RVD clocked him with the Van Daminator. He never used the chair on RVD, so that's fine. Reynolds was planted with a five-star frog splash. Hook then slapped the red rum on silver, and he tapped out for the victory. So, yeah. And the whole time, Taz is going, I never thought I would have saw this. One of my foes teaming with Hook. One of my one of my enemies teaming with Hook. He never calls him his son. He always says Hook. He always calls him by his name. So that's weird. Stay my son. We all know he's your kid. He's your boy. I get it. He doesn't want to show nepotism on commentary. Well, RJ City lets us know that he was not Turner Classic Movies, host uh, Ben Mankiewicz. And then Tony Storm appears and was like, ah, we got my new show. Well, she wouldn't like say it or anything. She's like, oh, we got my new show. And it's called Hold the Butler. So then we get the picture in picture. And then the TBS app is just like, TBS original wipeout is coming back soon. And the, the app goes to its own own commercials. And I don't see the picture in picture at all. So I didn't see any of this. So then later when she comes out with Luther, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Because A, it didn't look like Luther. Or at least the Luther I remembered. And B, I didn't know who her butler was. I didn't know she had a butler. I saw it said, hold the butler. And then it cut to a couple of ads for TBS. And then a, we're in commercial. We'll be right back. Screen. 
Well, I didn't see any of this. But apparently earlier, they had told us that Tony will be challenging for the woman's title of full gear. So yeah, later when she came out with Luther the butler, I was like, who's this guy? Did I miss something? And apparently I did. So then we had Tony Khan's big surprise for Sting. Tony Schiavone welcomes Sting and Darby Allen to the ring. Darby Allen with his arm in a sling because he fractured his elbow or shoulder or whatever he said it was. Sting thanks the fans in Philly for all the memories. And thank Darby for being the best tag team partner he's ever had. Better than Lex? Better than Lex? Anyways. Sting also thanked Tony Khan for making a phone call four years ago to give him a chance to go out on his own terms. Sting gave the mic to Schiavone. Giovanni, Tony Giovanni, that is. And Giovanni was, said that it was 35 years ago. Sting put pro wrestling on the map on TBS. And Giovanni said that he wanted to introduce the surprise on behalf of Tony Khan. Now would come the nature boy, Ric Flair. Ric Flair making his AEW on-screen debut. Massive ovation for the crowd in Philly. Giovanni welcomes Flair to AEW, and Flair said, In life, there are moments that are magical. 35 years ago, Sting and himself made history at the first class of champions against WrestleMania, right here on TBS. Flair put over Sting huge, calling him one of the greatest wrestlers in the business and the nicest guy he's ever known. Flair said, I got an invitation from Tony, Mr. Khan, to be part of this. And if Sting would have me, I'm going to ride the wagon all the way to his retirement. When, when, in March or something like that, whenever it is. I'm like, oh, there's Rick. There's Rick just saying whenever. Sting then accepted. And wanted Flair, a Flair chop for old time's sake. And that led to Christian coming out. Christian's music hit. The TNT champion walked out with Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. Cage said that Tony Khan is a billionaire. But his present was a suit, gold chains, and a black liver. Gage said that Flair is moving pretty well. He doesn't feel like he's watching weekend. He doesn't feel like he's watching weekend and Bernie's at all, which is a great line. Because then the crowd starts chanting, he's not dead. He's not dead. And Christian goes, I know he's not dead. He goes, then that's because there isn't a God. This man should have died 20 years ago. I'm like, okay, yeah, Christian's great. Christian's amazing. And the crowd starts chanting, F you, Christian. F you, Christian. He says that Allen still has a sour grapes losing to him in his hometown. Took a shot at the Philadelphia Phillies that he kind of fumbled on and said that they don't know what it's like to be a champion, but he's a champion and this and that. And he doesn't want to wait till revolution to stop Sting, to end a Sting. Cage issued a challenge to a six-man tag team match at full gear. I see three people here. I guess I see three people there, even though Ric Flair is one super kick away from his pacemaker going out. He said, uh, it's going to be us three against you. You two and partner. Then it got weird, and Sting sneezed. I was like, oh, um, I'm allergic to jackasses. We accept your challenge. I'm like, <laughs> was that a real sneeze? And he saved it with the whole allergic to jackasses thing? Or was that the planned line? I don't know. 
So he then says it's not going to be Rick. He's like, uh, it's not going to be Ric Flair. I'm going to just say that. <laughs> Go to the back of Renee is doing a sit-down interview with Chris Jericho from earlier today. They're doing a uh, medical update following the destruction by Powerhouse Hobbs a few weeks ago. Jericho said he can't remember even being beaten down that badly in his entire career. And what hurts the most is his ego. Jericho asked if it was time to hang it up, potentially, or is it time to get stronger and gain the advantage in revenge? Don Callis has a large family, but Jericho has large friends, some that are even larger than Hobbs. So maybe it's time to make a call. Who's the big friend? Big Show? Paul White? Saw some on Twitter saying, could it be Goldberg? I don't know. I honestly have no clue who this is. Because the first thing I thought of when he was like, I got a friend bigger than him I can call. I'm like, oh, Big Show? You and Jericho back together? I don't know. Let me know in the comments below or the live chat who you think Jericho's big friend is. Paul White? Goldberg? You know, those two weren't on the best of terms back in the day. So I don't know. I honestly don't know who it's going to be. Then we had the Elite defending the ROH World Tag Team, World Six Man Tag Team titles against the Hardy Boys and Brother Zay. Anybody else kind of think it's dumb? Brother Zay comes down to the ring with the microphone and he tries to be all cool and he's like, let me get a huh. Yeah. I'm like, giving a stroke, bud? Giving a stroke? Huh. Yeah. And like a quarter of the crowd goes, yeah. Like, no, that ain't it. It's kind of dumb. We don't need multiple people with mics for their entrance. We got Max Caster doing it. He does it great, but we only need the one. You don't need more. Called quality control and not having multiple people doing similar things. Such as some fast opening sequences. Zay found himself double teamed by the Bucks before Paige made the hot tag. And Matt Hardy tagged in as well, who slapped Paige, clearly remembering their feud a few years ago. After a scuffle, both set uh, both sets of Matts slugged it out before Jeff blindsided Matt Jackson with a neat that allowed Matt, Matt Hardy, to hit a side effect. Zay then took out Nick and Paige outside the ring as Matt and Zay mocked the Bucks and posed and stayed in control during a picture-picture break. I did see parts of this break. Parts, not all of it, though. Again, it still cut to commercial at one point. Cut to a, its own ads. Uh, Matt and Zay posed too long, allowing Matt Jackson to hit stereo Northern Light suplexes. Paige then made the hot tag and ran a wild with the fallaway slam on Zay and a slingshot crossbody on Matt on the outside. Zay then kicked out of a nasty Death Jolly driver and was about to eat the dead eye when Jeff made the save and did a silly, silly string move party they used to break everything up. Nick then fired off a series of super kicks before some miscommunication. The Bucks allowed the Hardys and Zay to get one final attempt on taking control, but ultimately it backfired, and the Bucks connected with the BTE trigger on Zay to pick up the victory. So there we go. Also, it's getting a little warm in my room. Let me hit my fan real fast. So, Tori Strickland and Prince Nana are shown on the big screen inside of a home that we learn is Hangman's home. Page then sprints out of the ring. Strickland said, they owe him something as they tore up Paige's children's painting on the fridge. Nana ate some chocolate berries. They heard a noise before Strickland said, oh, it wasn't just Paige who will pay for his actions. 
And so before when he said this in a different promo, I was like, oh, he's going to attack the Young Bucks. No. He's talking about Paige's little baby boy. And I'm like, oh, man, this just got good. Strickland stood over a child's crib and said he's forever indebted to Strickland. And it's his father's fault what's going to happen. Strickland put one of his shirts in the crib as Nana told him they needed to go. This was super intense. And I can only imagine how violent this feud is going to get from here. This is going to be good. I like this. I really, really like this. Yeah, we've seen the whole home invasion thing before. I mean, Bray Wyatt did it to The Miz. And Triple H has shown up at Randy Orton's home. And Stone Cold and Brian Pillman back in the day. But I like this one. I think the first time I've seen the kids involved. But like I said, the Bray Wyatt Miz one he showed up at the kid in the kids' room and stuff. So, But yeah. I don't know why Nana said, hey, we got to go like, like something happened. But yeah. Nipika is backstage with Adam Copeland, and all of a sudden up comes Darby and Sting, and they start trying to get him to be their partner. They're like, hey, we want you against Christian and his guys. And Copeland's just like, no. And then Sting was like, sorry to interrupt, but what? No, don't think that. Basically, Sting was like, don't think that he's always going to be your friend because he's not your friend. You don't want to hurt him. You don't want to fight him. I get that. But I had to fight people that I was friends with, that I loved, that I didn't want to have to. And yeah. He then shook Copeland was like, hear me out. Do this before it becomes too late. I don't know what that really means. He then says, we go way back. Don't mess it all up now. Get with it. And then I'm like, they go way back. How? Because Edge was a Sting fan back in the day? I said that, Fonzie. I'm like, what? How do they go way back? That just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what their history is. Apparently nobody on Twitter did either. They're like, way back, what, huh? Hmm? Mitchell says Jake Hager. Oh, Jericho can maybe call Jake Hager. Is Jake really bigger than, than Hobbs, though? I don't think he is. And Fonzie, yeah, I did say... Remember, Triple H showed up at Randy Orton's house. So then we had a nothing happening title match. Like, they've had better matches between Sheeta and Soho in the past. So I was like, this match kind of was boring. I was a little bored with this match, if I'm going to be honest. It was Car Sheeta defending the AEW Women's title against Ruby Soho. After some early strikes, both ladies blocked backslides, and Sheeta just uh, got just enough for a crossbody out of the corner. Soho avoided some corner punches, sweeping out the leg with a back heel trip until we get a crucifix roll and Sheeta kicked out of two. This time Sheeta managed to get the 10 corner punches and a missile drop kick before Soho failed to the outside. Soho then pulled Sheeta off the apron into a no future and she took control during a break. When we returned, there was a slugfest before Sheeta applied a torture rack and a sliding elbow for a two. Soho rolled through a crossbody into a cradle, but couldn't hold on as she stripped away the middle turnbuckle pad. With referee operators distracted, Soho grabbed a spray paint can, tossed it to Sheeta, and acted like she was the one sprayed in the face. Soho then grabbed the woman's title, charged, but uh, Sheeta sprayed it. For some reason, this upset Sheeta, allowing Soho to choke Sheeta and hit a destination unknown for a close two. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? This is when the match kind of took a turn for me, like, what the hell is going on? They're playing with paint, and Ruby or Aubrey's just watching. 
The referee, Aubrey Edwards, just watched Soho try to slam Sheeta into the exposed buckle. And Soho then hits the no future, but Sheeta fell back into a katana knee and got a two. Sheeta then avoided a no future, clobbered Soho with a knee. Then they traded near falls. Soho ran into an exposed buckle. Sheeta hit another knee and just randomly picked up the win out of nowhere. Yeah, this match was not that good. This match was kind of boring to me, and I didn't really care for it. Um, all of a sudden, the screen goes black and white. Tony Storm comes out. I guess her new butler, Luther, is there with her. And they tell us, hey, these two will fight at the pay-per-view for the title. Cool, I guess. I mean, Tony's got to win the belt, right? That pissed off a lot of fans with, with Sheeta losing the belt so quickly, but Tony's got to win the belt. Ray Paquette then tries to get an update from MJF in the trainer's room. Samoa Joe then walks up. It's like, hey, I'm not here to, to, to fight it or anything. I want to applaud you. Joe says that he will be MJF's friend since he doesn't seem to have any. MJF gladly accepted, but Joe said under one condition. I get a world title shot in return. Joe said, don't worry. Be sure that he'll have answers soon enough. The challenge for MJF's world title coming from every direction. So I like this. I like this. Joe's like, hey, I'll help you get your belt back if I get a shot at the belt. And Max is like, he said yes at first, but then didn't say yes to the conditions. At least I didn't notice if he did. And this then goes into our main event of the night. I really enjoyed this match. I thought all four men worked really well together. Then the end was kind of weird. So Danielson zoned in on the left arm of Cassidy early on as the match started. As Cassidy briefly played dead, uh, Danielson tagged in Claudio, who showed his power off and almost mocked Cassidy with the little kicks. Cassidy just stood up and tagged in Okada to a loud ovation as Okada hit a drop toe hold and an elbow to the back of Claudio Castagnoli before sprinting at Danielson, who retreated. There's a forearm and an uppercut exchange with Claudio and Okada, and that led to a body slam by Okada. And Cassidy hit the most nonchalant top rope splash. Castagnoli wasted no time prepping Cassidy for some forearms and hung him up on the top rope, which allowed Danielson to hit a diving knee into picture picture break. After being isolated the entire commercial break, Cassidy used his quickness to send Castagnoli to the outside. But the race to make the hot tag took too long, and Castagnoli cut Cassidy off. Castagnoli tried to pull Cassidy up by his neck, but it was countered into a DDT for a double-down spot. Finally, Danielson and Okada tagged in, slowly got in the ring, and the crowd starts chanting, holy shit. There were some chops and forearms that were dished out by both men. Okada ducked a series of strikes and hit a charging back elbow and a DDT. Danielson got a two. Okada then signaled for a top rope elbow drop, the move that broke Danielson's arm, but he rolled through and hit a flapjack. Danielson countered a tombstone and stomped the arm, yelling he's going to break Okada's arm and delivered a series of kicks. Okada ducked the home run shot, but Danielson countered a schoolboy into a label lock. Okada got the roll up for a two here as both men rose to their feet. Danielson missed a Busaku knee, and Okada missed a Rainmaker. A violent back and forth of chops and forearms ensued as both men collided in the center of the ring. Cassidy and Castagnoli then made tags, and Cassidy hit a crossbody off the top for a two before dishing out some stiff kicks. Castagnoli powered out of a tilt-a-whirl into a DDT and tried to go for the giant swing, but Cassidy countered into a Sundog Millionaire and a Tornado DDT for a two. 
Danielson then made the save as he and Okada spilled to the outside. Cassidy went for the orange punch, but Cassidy countered into a giant swing in midair, which looked unreal cool. There's a sharpshooter applied. Okada broke it up after kicking Claudio a couple of times. There's an air raid crash on the knee by Okada to Cassidy Okada then connected with a great-looking top rope bevel drop. He had the Rainmaker pose. He was like, ah! The camera zooms out, and Orange Cassidy hugs him. So the camera zooms out again. I popped for that. Danielson broke this all up, though, with the top rope drop kick, but Okada got a ripcord applied. Cassidy hit an orange punch into a Rainmaker. Cassidy then made the save. Okada was planted with the springboard uppercut by Claudio, who followed this up with a massive pop-up uppercut to Cassidy and pinned him pick up the victory for the BCC. With Claudio pinning the international champion, Orange Cassidy, that has earned him an orange or an international championship match next week, which I'm all for because he pinned the champion. He earned it. Again, it's so simple to have guys earn title shots. Post-match, Danielson was on the ring apron clutching at his face. They said that he took an orange punch and a rainmaker, and now he's hurt. Doctors are checking on him. Claudio's calling for water. John Moxley and Wheeler Uter run down. All of a sudden, best friends, Chris Statlander, Rocky Romero, and even Hook, for some goddamn reason, run down to the ring. Hook looking lost. Everyone's like looking around, and Okada's like, yeah, down at, at um, Danielson. Claudio like tells him to get away at one point. The ref kind of pushes him off. It all just felt very awkward and weird, and no one knew what was going on. And it's like, is Danielson really hurt? Is Danielson not really hurt? Are we supposed to think that every time he fights Okada, he gets injured? What? Huh? I have no clue what this was supposed to be. I don't know. I don't think Danielson's really hurt. But, yeah. I don't know, because the way the doctor was like, he took a punch in a clothesline. He took a punch in a clothesline. Like he was playing it up. Ref never called the X or anything to say he's actually hurt. You know, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what this is supposed to lead to unless it's just going to lead to another um, Okada Danielson match. Whether that's at Full Gear, whether that's at World's End that was announced during this match, or that's at the Tokyo Dome in January. Also, speaking of that, AEW did announce on Saturday, December 30th, from the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in New York. We're getting World's End on pay per view. They are doing a December AEW pay-per-view like Andrew Zarian originally reported. Give that man the credit because he was the first I heard to report it. Not, not going to say the other guy who thinks he should take the credit. But a couple of things were announced for upcoming shows during this match. Like they were rushing for time. As far as Rampage does go, Mike, Mike Santana will take on Ortiz. We hear from both Kenny Omega and MJF ahead of their big world title match on Collision this Saturday. Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale, Anna Jay, and Abaddon will fight for a shot at the AW Women's World Championship on Collision. What the fuck? Why is this match happening? Why do they announce? Now, you're going to say I'm contradicting myself here. The Omega MJF title match makes sense because what it's fighting for. The belt and history. Okay, cool, whatever. But why is Sheeta defending her title before the Tony Storm match? That I don't get. Of course, Collision does go. MGF will defend the AW World Championship against Kenny Omega. Carl Sheeta will defend the AW Women's World Championship against the winner of Blue, Nightingale, JR Abaddon. Also, 
Why is Willow in that match when just less than a week ago she lost the title match to Chris Statlander? So you say, oh, you can't beat this champion, but you should still get a shot at another champion. Fuck off! Why are we giving losers title shots? Or title opportunities? Willow lost to Chris Statlander. So why shouldn't why should she get some sort of an opportunity at another belt anytime soon? Again, AEW just likes to throw shit at the wall and Tony Khan's got the sticky hand going, put names on a wall. Uh, Willow Nightingale. Abaddon, okay. Like, no. And then next week on Dynamite, Orange Cassidy will defend the International Championship against Claudio Castagnoli. So there we go. Also, I didn't do any polls. I was worried about getting my internet working. So, yeah. But with that, guys, that was everything that did take place tonight on AEW Dynamite. I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, App, Pod Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, we'll be back live Friday for the wrestling wrap-up. Not sure if I'm doing a SmackDown review yet. I may have a photo shoot I got to go do. So that would take priority. So I'm not sure if I'm doing a SmackDown review yet, but we will do the wrestling wrap-up Friday morning. And then we'll go from there. So with that, guys, have a great rest of your night, and I'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.